everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast of the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and thank you so much for joining us. And if you've been with us the last few weeks, um, you heard for three sessions, Mark and I were just kind of talking about people who deconstruct and what that means and what does it mean to kind of, what are some of the issues that can cause someone to kind of start to question or be or challenge the, their own personal faith, kind of the things maybe they, they grew up believing or what the church taught them kind of what those things are like and and then you know how do we how do we love and serve people who are going through that uh what's the right approach for us and then just we kind of started just talking a little bit about kind of how do you rebuild if someone is 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 battling some of the issues that can lead you to kind of reconsider faith and, and kind of start throwing everything out what does it what does it mean to rebuild and so, I, you know, if you guys have been listening to that, maybe also you have been following along with us on our sermon series that we're kind of doing at the same time called Reconstruction, where we're talking about what it means to rebuild. And so you kind of put these two things together, you know, as they're coming out live, they're coming out around the same time. And so if you are listening to this and have not also been following along with our sermon series, I encourage you to. Because we spent the kind of the the first three weeks of that series kind of walking through what I believe to kind of be the three crucial theological personal belief planks that I feel like are the essentials of rebuilding faith. And they were, I would say in no particular order, but they were in fact in a very particular order that God loves you, that God is good and he loves you. It's number one. And I think it's important to start there because when you when you you go to the Garden of Eden, you go to kind of the the very first parts of the Bible, we see a good God who wanted who wants to bless us, who loves us. And the story of the gospel and what and what God and, and the story of sin and brokenness or the story of why Jesus had to come is all about restoration to that idea. It is not about appeasing a God who doesn't like you, but a restoring you back to a God who loves you. And so it starts with, we got to make sure we fully understand God is good and he loves you. And then a number two, you know, if I say, hey, God is good, he loves you, and he's given us this world as a gift. I mean, you have a very natural instinct of that, which is actually this world kind of stinks and a, and a good God would create a world different than this, right? And so that there's clearly some sort of a problem. So that led us to kind of the second thing is, is that the world is broken, but we're the ones that broke it. We broke the world. Collectively, as people, in the way that we treat one another, in the way that we treat the world that God has given us, and even the way that we treat ourselves, we just add brokenness and hurt and pain to the world. And very kind of strong emphasis on the we of that. I think too often we either blame God or we blame other people. It's those people, those people over there and what they're doing is what is making the world bad. But really, it's all of us. We've all had a part to play in that. And then finally, the third one, just talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer. His life, his death, his resurrection, and understanding what Jesus did and why that matters, that is, the, that is, that is where healing and life and restoration happens in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you put those three things together, and I believe you kind of get this foundation piece of what the Christian faith should be. We kind of strip off all the, the fringe and maybe some of the, the quirks, maybe some of the weird or bad teaching that we've heard, things that have caused us 
pain and frustrations. Like, man, just what are the bare bones? And I think those, those three ideas, God loves you, we broke the world, and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ restores us in our relationship with God. But as, kind of, as I've been kind of walking through those three ideas, I just kind of have just in my own voice, I've had like a, a really, what I think, and maybe for some of you it will connect, I believe it will, a real compelling question for each one. Like something that kind of makes us like, well, I, 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 something that might keep us from really believing it. And so what we're going to do for the next three weeks is just kind of have a, a corresponding question, a, a, an answer to something that might make you challenge, challenge those three planks. And so God is good and he loves you and, and he gave us this world and he wants you to have it. And you're a special creation of God created in his image. And as we were talking about that, basically we spent all the time in Genesis chapter one talking about it. And I had this conversation with no fewer than three people within three days of me giving this sermon. And they all asked the question, they all asked the question the same way. Like, do I have to believe the creation story? What, or like, what do I, do I really, do I really have to believe that that's true? And so I think, I think it's important for us to talk about this. So again, again, I, any, anytime I get the same question twice, I'm like, Hmm, if you get the same question three times, and I, th- I think there is just kind of this compelling understanding. It's like, like, I understand this is a story, and I understand it is a foundational story in the big picture story of the Bible. But, you know, people ask it more in the context of, you know, well, what about science? And science says this, and do I have to believe it literally? And what, what, what do I, like, as, as I'm trying to reconcile what I think I believe or what I, what I do believe about the way that science tells us that the world came into existence. And I read this story, like what, like some people ask it, like, what's the minimum? Like, what's the minimum that I need to believe? And most people, I'm again, 99% of people, they ask, they're asking this in a really good hearted way. It's like, I don't want to be unfaithful to what God wants from me. But I also look at that story of Genesis one through three. It seems a little bit weird. All right. So when I get asked, so we'll just kind of break this down a little bit because um, over the last, you know, 40, 50 years, especially this, this, this question, it's asked a lot of different ways. It gets answered a lot of different ways. It can have a lot of different emotions behind it. And depending on who you've interacted with, you might, you might meet somebody who feels like that they have a very compelling personal interest in convincing you that every word of everything in the Bible is absolutely 100% literal in the, sense that, in, the, in the sense that they mean the word literal, okay? So what I want to do in the time that we have to talk about this is I definitely want to talk about it differently. I don't, I don't want anything to feel like that there's some pressure and that what I'm describing to you is the absolute right way. And if you don't agree with me 100% that there's some sort of problem, I'm just going to talk a little bit just kind of about my own history with this and a good place, I think, for us to end up. So if you go to Genesis chapter one, you look at the story of creation, it starts with there's nothing and then God says, let there be light. And then there was light. And then we see the creation of space and the creation of, of planets. We see the separation of land and waters. And then we see plants come together and birds and, and fish and then land animals and then ultimately people. 
And some people will look at that and say, actually, it's really not that difficult to kind of form the Big Bang Theory and evolution into that idea. It starts with a big bang of light and ends up with, you know, with, with planets and, and moons and stars and all of these different things. And then it kind of ends up, you know, the, the planet begins to form and then fish and then birds, which are considered to be some of the first things that, and then finally land animals and then finally people. There's enough there that kind of makes people go, it's like, man, you know, you don't have to work too hard to kind of put those two stories together, which again, I have a complete appreciation for, for people who, um, you know, putting both of these stories together in a way that seems both compatible to them, both spiritually and intellectually, I understand why you need to do that. And so what I want to do is just kind of, as you, as you think about how to reconcile these two things, I just kind of would give you a little spectrum here of kind of place you could put yourself. So just imagine like a little, like, you know, like a little, like a little line graph of sorts. And on one end, you have what we'll call atheistic evolution. Doesn't matter what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't tell us anything. Everything that science says is how we know that the world came into existence with no outside help or pressure at all. All that is, is the universe. And the universe came into existence. And our best understanding about it through science is the best understanding that we have about how this worked. Okay? So, and as I said, and we'll, progress from there and we'll just kind of keep going on our little line graph. The next thing that we'll do is we'll call it deistic evolution, which is, again, everything that we understand that science tells us about Big Bang, cosmology, um, evolution, all of those things are true, but there is in fact a God. Now, a deistic God is a God that creates but isn't particularly interested in the universe. And so in that system, God kind of wanted to create and created something like he was involved in the big bang. It helps to understand where everything came from, how the big bang happened, which are a couple of questions that are still widely um, debated and not a much conclusion at all about how those things happened and where all this came from, even in scientific circles. So you have this outside entity, refer to it as God, if you would like, who started the process and then has essentially walked away, if not literally, at least metaphorically, as far as what happens next. And so everything that's unfolded hasn't really happened under the supervision of God, but at least it was initiated by him. And now you keep going and you have what's called theistic evolution, which is you do have a personal God who is interested in the world, interested in the universe and interested in us, but used scientific processes to, to guide everything. So he's, he, is, he is a guide. He is, he is actively using evolution as his tool to bring creation about. And then you just kind of keep going. Now we're getting to people who, you know, tie goes to the Bible. And so we'll call them old earth creationists. People who believe that the Bible, um, the Bible story is true. But, you know, when it talks about God creating in six days, it's not necessarily talking about 24-hour 24 so, 24 solar days, especially the first three when the sun didn't even exist yet. And so the process may have taken a long time, and science is able to inform us on some things, certainly the age of the earth. But there are certain things science takes for granted. It's like it, it assumes that there is no God, but if there was a God, 
And it wasn't a natural process. It was a supernatural process. And so science informs um, where there's gaps or misunderstandings. And when possible, we want to accommodate science. But there are also certain things like, you know, animals being unique creations of God, not something that happens as a process over millions of years and lots of death. Like, well, you know, it's really not how it, how it is, right? Okay, so you go from old earth creation, then we'll go from that to the most literal. Your, your young earth, six-day creationist. The earth is only several thousand years old, and everything that the Bible says is meant to be taken in the most literal fashion. And anytime science even hints at contradicting what Genesis 1 through 3 says, science should be dismissed as being, you know, just a, a fallible approach for broken people trying to make sense of something, then the Bible interprets that. And so you may think that the Bible has, you know, millions, billions of years old or whatever, but really the Bible says if you do the math, it's only a few thousand years old. And that's fine. And any evidence to the contrary is either deception or a mistake of some kind. Now, most people are going to find themselves somewhere on that spectrum. And if you are spending your time, even if it's just 30 minutes a week, listening to a Christian podcast by a pastor in Arkansas, you are probably at most on that spectrum. The furthest you would be is to a theistic evolution, right? You're probably not, you're not a deist and listening to a Christian podcast, though you might be. And if so, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. But most of us believe in, a, in an active God, and we're trying to reconcile these two, the, all these things. Now, I probably fall, in my own personal opinion, um, more into old earth creationism. I have, I have no particular commitment to the six days being six solar days. Again, especially since the first three would not have been solar days, would not have been 24 hours, considering that the sun didn't exist. And probably, I, I, I just don't think so. And some people are going to argue with that and be like, okay, it doesn't really move my needle. However, if you want to talk about the things that move my needle, and this was kind of the basis of the answer to that I gave to these people and they asked me about the creation story. There's one part of the creation story that I think is of absolute critical importance. And wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, I think there is one part of the creation story that is absolute importance and is really foundational to Christian theology, and that is the uniqueness of the creation of people. Do I have to believe in a literal Adam and Eve? I mean, I don't care what you think their names were, and I don't care whether or not you think that every detail of this story corresponds exactly to literally what happened. Let me say what, it, what does matter is in Genesis chapter 1, when God said this, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. That we were initially created by God, separate from creation, created uniquely and specially in his image. That while we are a part of creation, we have been set apart by God in creation to have a special relationship with him. And there had to have been some moment in which God specifically intervened into the creation of the world to create people. And you think, man, I don't believe that. I believe that we are a product of evolution. And I say, I understand why you believe that. And again, I'm not trying to fight anybody. But what I am saying is that I think it is foundational to what we believe about God and us and our relationship with him to say, 
We were created to be in perfect relationship with him and our sin broke that. There was a uniqueness of us. Whatever it is, whatever distinction that you would say that makes us different than every other animal in the world, our soul, our spirit, our relational connection to God, that thing that makes us different. There was a moment in which God said, I want there to be something unique and different about these people than everything else he has created. And I do believe that he created us to be in perfect relationship with him. And it is our sin that brought the death and decay into our world. And so the way that I phrase this, and this may, you know, this may seem complicated. I have this conversation face-to-face and people kind of look at me crossways. And so trying to have this conversation between me and a microphone and to you into your earbuds, it may even be more complicated. If Adam and Eve had parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who had all died, and then suddenly at one point, the first people are create, are, are come out of that, and suddenly, I don't know, the soul evolved? Or somehow God's like, okay, at this point, at this line, I'm going to take everything that's created now that has crossed this line of evolution, I'm going to call it a person, now I'm going to make a relationship with them, but their parents and their grandparents were just animals. It comes a point where that just it just becomes theologically challenging, just kind of this basic understanding that Christians have, which is people are created uniquely by God to be in relationship with him. Our sin has damaged that. And because of that, there is death and decay for us, both spiritually and physically. And so if you go to the New Testament, you know, Paul describes it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin, go down a a, a little bit further, verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And so... What Paul is saying here is that it is, it is through the sin of the first people that brought the, the, the destruction, the spiritual destruction, the death in our relationship with God, the, 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 the problem that we have, that our relationship with God has been disrupted. It happened because of sin. And then therefore, both the spiritual death and the physical death now become a part of the human world. If these things are just a natural consequence and there are generations that came before the first people that had experienced no relationship with God and that death was just kind of the natural cycle of, of people all the way up until there were, you know, and you cross that line of evolution to where something is now people, then the theology of kind of what we mean by that middle piece, that, that, sin, that sin broke the world. And the real need for, for Jesus, it just, it just becomes, I think it becomes more challenging. And I think it is of incredible importance for us to recognize that 
we are set apart. Even if, even if science tells us everything about that, I, th- I think that God views you as separate from all the rest of his creation, and he wants to have a unique covenant relationship with us, I think is of crucial foundational importance. Now, I don't believe Adam and Eve lived in a garden, and I don't believe that there was a talking snake. Okay, I, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't bother me to the degree that it matters what bothers me. I guess, we're, I guess we are, this whole thing is about my thoughts on this. As much as do you believe that people are a unique creation of God, created in his image, separate from creation? I think in addition to the theological consequences of not believing that, I think there are some personal consequences to not believing that. I am no different than a dog, than a horse, than a cow. I'm no different. I'm, I'm just one other broken thing on this planet, you know, and to, and, and I, and I think it can contribute to, to a, a lack of understanding and awareness of how wonderful you are and how different you are, what it means to be created in God's image. And so that's, that's, the, that's the big one for me. Again, I, I, am, I am fine with people believing that Genesis 1 through 3 are not completely literal. I mean, they're, they're, it's, told in, it, it's told in figurative language. It's, it's, it's written like it's a poem. It was originally, that's kind of how the story was passed down. And so those things aren't necessarily meant to be hyper-literal. And so that's fine, but I, I, I think the one thing that I need to make sure that is really important to me, and I think is ultimately going to be important to you as far as how you view yourself with respect to God and how we understand the consequences of sin and the necessity of Jesus Christ, it all hinges on the fact that people are uniquely created by God in his image. And so that is a long answer to a very simple question. But I think it is of critical importance. And so if you have more questions, I mean, I don't want to spend, I could, I could, I could spend all sorts of time talking about creation, evolution, and young earth versus old earth and all these different things. Was the earth created with the appearance of age and all these different questions that people like to uh, get really worked up about? Where did Cain's wife come from, right? I mean, there's all these questions we have. Really good, interesting, intriguing questions. But I wanted to spend some time just kind of focusing on what I believe to be the most critical thing. We as people are unique and separate from the rest of creation, created uniquely and specially by God in his image for a unique relationship with him. And it is because we broke that through sin that has caused the problem. And therefore, that's why we need Jesus. And so that in the creation story, I think, is the critical element that we need to understand in order for those three elements that we think are critical to in our reconstruction for those things to hold. And so as always, feel free to ask me any question you'd like. If, if you know me in real life, you can, you can ask me them face-to-face. You can send me an email at charlie at thegrovechurch.org. We'd love to talk about it. We got a couple of more questions that we're going to ask over the next couple of weeks. One is what is, has been historically referred to as the problem of evil, and the other one being, is Jesus Christ really the only way to God? And so we're going to talk about those over the next two uh, sessions and look forward to being with you there. And as always, we'd love it that you're also following along with our sermon series. You can get all the information on that at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. If you're local, we'd love to see you there on a Sunday morning, or you can stream with us online if you're not. 
Either way, we'd love it if you fill out that form and let us know that you're watching. Again, I'm Charlie Lofton at Lead Pastor at the Grove Church, and thank you so much for joining us.